Good morning and welcome to another episode of People Who Suffer. I'm Andrew and uh, this is a podcast dedicated to helping those of us who suffer understand why we're suffering and thereby do a little less of it. And today I'm going to talk about something that, man, it comes up all the time. So, so you have to understand that a lot of the people that I work with, obviously, end up coming to work with me because they're suffering. And I have this thing that I, that I walk people through just to help them see the simplicity of what's going on. And I like to use a spectrum. And, uh, and it's called the spectrum of feeling, and it's called that because that's what I called it. And a spectrum by its nature encompasses all of something. So one end of the spectrum is the absolute worst you could possibly feel. And at the other end of the spectrum is the absolute best you could possibly feel. And every feeling exists in between there. And there's a middle point, and, and pretty much everyone who visits with me is having an experience that is somewhere left of center. And the reason that the experience they're having is somewhere left of center is because if it wasn't, then the likelihood of them reaching out to me to try to change something in their lives goes down drastically. So, uh, so a lot of people find themselves on the left side of the spectrum. Now, there is a thing that occurs when we find ourselves towards this, the side of not feeling good. And the further left we go, the further we go towards the worst we could possibly feel. And I, and I have yet to have anyone be all the way to the left. I have had a couple people say that they're like at 95, 97%. And these people have lots of words um, to describe the worst you can possibly feel. And, and, but here's the, the beautiful thing about them. It's, er, about it. It's not necessary to live there. However, when we find ourselves in that place... Um, one of the things that, that I'll ask people is what do you feel like doing when you're way over here, when you're not feeling good? What do you, what do you feel like doing? And the answer is nothing. I don't feel like doing anything. And so the question I want to talk about today is (laughs) how do you do things when you don't feel like doing them at all? And how do they turn out? when you don't feel like doing them. And today is a perfect day for me to do this because in all honesty, I didn't feel like recording this podcast when I started it. And I haven't felt like doing it for a while. Um, and I talked about one of the reasons that, that is contributing to that on, on my last episode, which was just uh, a little over a week ago, I think. But, um, but it was this, I had a, uh, a fairly traumatic injury playing basketball. And this, this injury has been the most painful injury of any injury I've had in my life. And it's, it's really been shocking to me how painful it is, almost comedic. Like I, at, at times I have just kind of gotten into observation about the pain that I've experienced from it and just kind of got laughing. I'm like, this is just stupid pain. It's, it's crazy. And it, and it didn't go away at all for the first four or five days. It was just this constant, uh, pain. And then if I moved, it got even worse. Um, and I, I, I have a grade three separation of my shoulder, which I don't know if that means anything to any of you, but it's, uh, you know, it's a fairly 
it's a fairly severe injury. And <laughs> I have joked a number of times with my wife and, and some other people that uh, force equals mass times acceleration. And although my acceleration at this stage of my life, being at 53, is much, it's much less than it once was. I'm probably not nearly as quick as I once was. I'm still relatively or at least I was two weeks ago, I'm still relatively quick. So my, my acceleration, although not as much as, as it could have been when I was younger, uh, my mass is a little bit more. And so the mass times acceleration created a great deal of force as I flew headlong into a wall and um, crunched my shoulder up pretty good and ripped a lot of tendons and ligaments in there. And, and now I've got my, this, you know, my collarbone is sticking up and every time I move my shoulder, it sticks up more and, and it's, and it's pretty painful now. So I find myself in this pain and, um, that causes me to do a lot of thinking. And, uh, the thinking that I've been caught up in is, is it over for me? Is my athletic career over for me? Um, there's probably not a lot of truth to that. I probably still can return to, to fairly normal. And as I'm talking about it now, I'm, I'm a little more in observation. I feel a little bit better about it. Um, but uh, I realize that so much of my identity has actually been wrapped up in my ability to do things. And, um, and I think that my ability to do things already decreasing a little bit with age, not as fast as, as maybe I, I thought it would. Um, but that's because I stayed doing things. Um, I still, you know, played a lot of sports tennis, basketball, golf. Um, I think some other things, I, I don't know. I was, you know, I've gone skating a few times in the last year and, uh, played hockey and, and whatnot. And, and, um, and I realized like I, it just, you know, from all the information that's out there, you, you want to stay active as you get older in life so that you don't, um, lose your ability to be active. And so I've been doing that stuff in an attempt to maintain some level of athleticism because my identity really likes being good at things. And now I've got this big interruption where I, I really can't do hardly anything. Um, I really can't do anything with my right arm at all. Just this morning was the first day that I've, you know, that I, and I'm practicing it right now while I'm talking about it. I'm, I'm practicing moving my right arm to see if I can pick up my phone and I can, um, there's some pain associated with that. So until today, I, I wasn't even really great at doing that. So anyway, so that's one of the things that's been going on in my mind. And I've, I've had loads of thought around the pain. I haven't been sleeping well. So that added to it too. Like I can't sleep through the night. And then Jill has had hives. And I think that part of that is, is probably caused because of me. And I think that has me worrying a little bit and feeling responsible for that. And not just because of you know, not just because of my injury and her concern for my injury, but probably because of <laughs> a lifetime of living with me. But anyway, a seeming, seeming lifetime. Um, and uh, 
then I feel bad about that. And I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about not sleeping. And then I'm thinking about not being able to get back to people in a timely manner. And I haven't been able to type. So I've had to dictate most of my stuff and my, my dictate. Anyway, I could go on into all sorts of detail about all the things that have been challenges over the last couple of weeks, but they have left me in this position of really not feeling like doing anything. And yet I have had on my calendar a number of things that I wanted to honor. And one of them was, and I cannot believe, like, it's unbelievable that I didn't even want to do this. But yesterday, I had uh, a two-hour long lunch scheduled with my mentor friend, coach, just one of my absolute favorite people on the planet, Steve Chandler. And um, that involved driving up to North Scottsdale, and I hadn't driven really since the injury, and uh, no one was available to drive me at the time. So um, I, I did a little test run prior to that to see if I could could do it, and I could. I, my arm was functional enough that I could drive, and um, I didn't even want to do that. But that was thinking that wasn't true, and I knew it wasn't true. I knew deep down inside I did want to do it. I knew deep down inside I did want to spend time with him. And so this is the first part of the answer, is that our minds tell us that we don't want to do things, and they are innocently trying to protect us from feeling bad. And the example I'm using right now is really an easy example to use, because there is actual physical pain associated. There's real pain associated with me getting to a car, driving up north, and uh, up into North Scottsdale and, and sitting down at lunch. There's going to be some physical pain associated with that. Now, what the brain forgets is the opportunity to be present. Because presence is not an experience of the brain. Presence is an experience of the brain being silent. And that's the last thing the brain wants to do is be silent. It wants to be running the show. It wants to be contributing. It wants to be telling us what to do and what not to do. It has an image of how things are supposed to be. And so uh, fast forward to this morning and I'm, I'm sitting and it keeps occurring to me from inside, record a podcast. It's time. It's been more than a week, record a podcast. And, and then I keep, I keep dropping up into or fl- flying up into my thinking that says, you're not in a nearly a good enough mood to record a podcast. What could you possibly say today that would be of value? What are you going to say that people are going to like? As, as if that is important, as if the outcome of what I'm saying is why I'm doing this. No, it's, this isn't for me. Yes, I get that it is, but it really isn't. And when I drop into presence and stop making things about myself, then I have the opportunity to see things more clearly and from an observational perspective. And it's funny because even from the start of this podcast, when I didn't want to start and I just got off the phone with Jill and um, we were talking about this yesterday because I said, I, you know, I really don't feel like doing much. And, she, and, and one of them was having lunch with Steve Chandler. And she said, yes, you do. You, you really do want to do that. Like, it's going to be fun. You're going to love it. And I did. It was absolutely so delightful. And any opportunity to spend time with him, and not just him, but other people as well. 
is uh, is always a welcome opportunity because we do actually love being around each other when we're present. But then the question becomes how to be present. So we were having this conversation yesterday about not feeling like doing things. And she said, you know, I go to work a, a couple of days a week and I never feel like going. And yet, almost every time I get there, I find out that I actually do enjoy what I'm doing and I do enjoy the people that I get to be around and I enjoy my coworkers and, and I come home and, and sometimes I wonder, you know, why am I so quick to forget that I actually do like doing things? Well, again, let's go back to the simplicity of what goes on by looking at the spectrum. When we find ourselves feeling bad, our brains tell us that we don't want to do anything. And they're doing that out of misinformation, thinking that that will protect us from feeling bad. It's actually not true. And one of the things I got to practice this morning for the first time in a couple of weeks, because I have been physically incapable of making the bed for the last couple of weeks, I tried doing it one day. It, it, you know, I did it. Um, it was a kind of an unpleasant experience, but, but it was pleasant at the same time to find myself in an act of creation. But this morning, I actually sort of felt up to it. And so I did, and I did it much more slowly than usual, and I usually do it slowly, but I did it really slowly this morning. And, and my attempt was to find myself in an act of creation. And I 100% can promise you that it brought a good feeling to me as I was doing it, and I was very glad I did it. Now, it's not a good idea for me to give in to uh, a belief or a thought in a moment that says, I don't want to do anything. That is almost never true. I get why I think I don't. I understand identity, what you're doing. I get that you're trying to protect me, but I also know that you're using misinformation as your guideline for, for telling me that I don't want to do anything. And the misinformation is that doing something is going to create more pain in my life. Well, two examples I've already shared. One was making the bed. I actually felt better. And not just mentally. I felt physically better from the motion. And a lot of the things that have been tightening up because I haven't been doing much motion in the last couple of weeks kind of loosened up a little bit. I felt better there. But the feeling of better that we're all looking for all the time is mentally feeling better. And I mentally felt not just a little bit better, but quite a bit better. And it's really funny that in five to 10 minutes following feeling mentally better, I found myself back into a space of not feeling great again because my thinking got activated around the pain of this injury, around how unpleasant I must be to be around right now, around am I really able to help people right now? Do I need to take some time off? No, no, because I don't need to carry around an expectation of perfection for myself. Everything is gradual. Everything, every movement across the spectrum 
need not be a drastic movement. It can be a small movement. And a small movement across the spectrum represents a shift in trajectory. And there are a lot of characteristics of the spiritual self that get to be expressed in our physical world. And one of those, and one of the most powerful ones, and I've had so many of my clients and people I talk to say that this is the one they connect with the most, and that's creation. And creation, the act of creation, which is living out the quality of creation, is, is creating something which is bringing into being that which wasn't. And that is the opposite of nothing. So when we're doing nothing, we are not being creative and we are not being the creation that we are. But when we do something, no matter how small, and it can be anything, it can be um, taking any, and it can be making the bed, it can be getting up and walking across the room and noticing that I had the power to create myself on the other side of the room and just noticing that not doing it for the outcome that I hope to feel from it. I hope to feel better because I know good people do things. No, no, it's not that at all. It is notice in the doing of something in the creation of something that you've connected to the creation that you are and it feels better. So, um, I remember when I was a kid that we had a lot of things, a lot of responsibilities. And a lot of these actually revolved around church because, well, that was honestly most of my life was, was church. Sometimes it was school, but a lot of it was church. And there were always activities going on. And I just remember before every activity, uh, not wanting to do it, just going, oh gosh, do I have to do this again? And yet... I would always, well, not always, but most of the time I would return home from those activities having had some sort of social interaction that was fun, some sort of experience that was, that, that got me feeling better. And I would come home seemingly every time. And my parents were the same thing. They always would say this. My mom would always say this. Why, why do I not want to do stuff when every time I come home from it, I'm glad I did. And this is, a, this is a good thing for us to remember if we want to use memory as a, as a trigger point for helping us see things a little differently. If we can have in our memory that almost every time we do something, we're glad we did it, then put that up so it's a visual reminder because our brains... Don't look for the memories to support them in, um, in disagreeing with themselves. So if your brain says you don't feel like doing this, it's not going to look for evidence to support that it's wrong. Because it wants to be right. More than anything, it wants to be right. And so it, it'll have a thought and it will search inside itself for all the evidence to support that thought. You don't feel like doing this yet. Yeah, and here's why. And you, you never do. And so stop doing it. So we need to have something outside of the brain because the brain isn't naturally going to go there. So if we have a visual reminder, 
it would be a good thing to have that up in a place that it can't be avoided being seen. And um, this is, uh, you know, this is one thing that I ask a, a lot of my clients to do is to put up a visual uh, representation of some aspect of the work we're doing together so that you see it. And when you see that visual reminder, oh, there it is on the wall. Andrew, remember that you always feel better after doing something than you thought you would before you did it. Okay. All right. Maybe that is the difference maker that puts me over the edge of not doing it or doing it. And, um, yeah, so, so here we are now 20 minutes into a podcast that I really did not feel like doing. And part of it was a test to see if I would come to feel like doing it more as I did it. And yeah, the answer is yes. I have felt more like doing it as I've done it. And I hope that in, in something that you're hearing today, you notice that there are things in your life you don't feel like doing. And I hope that you're able to understand why. Because you're finding yourself in a feeling that says, I don't want to do this. But understand that that feeling is being generated from a lot of misinformation. That is the only thing that lands us on the side of the spectrum that has us feeling bad in the first place. Is that we're caught up in misinformation. And that misinformation is creating a busyness of mind that is creating a lot of cloudy weather over the sunlight that shines out from within us. And if we travel around in underneath this storm cloud of weather, then everything that we do is going to, is going to be blocked by this, by this storm cloud of weather. And it's just a storm cloud of thought and it isn't necessary to be caught in it. And it has us thinking that we don't enjoy anything about life. And that's actually not true. It's just that we're not having an enjoyable experience of life because we're absolutely not being present. And we're not being present because thinking stops us from being present. Now, all thinking is not bad. Some thinking is really good. But that thinking, we're never seeking to change because we like good thinking. The only thinking that we're ever seeking to change is the thinking we don't like, because the only thing we're ever trying to change is the thing we don't like. And here's the simplicity of how to change thinking. Notice it for what it is. Understand it. Now, in those two things, the noticing and the understanding, you have connected with two things that are characteristics of your spiritual self. The first is awareness. That is the thing that has us looking outside ourselves from an experience of observation. And again, let me repeat this again. Uh, One of the favorite lines that I've ever gotten from my coach, Steve Chandler, is, if you can see the train, you're not on it. And the train of thought takes us all over the place. And quite often, if we feel like we're caught in a train of thought, it's taking us someplace we don't want to go. But if we step off and find ourselves in a position of observation, 
the place we're observing from is awareness and awareness has a feeling that is different. And if we're in awareness, we are no longer on the train because we can now see it. And automatically from that one thing, the thinking has lost some of its power to create a bad feeling. Now, the second thing was that we'll understand the thinking. Well, that's because we will find ourselves in understanding. And understanding is who we are. And what does it do? It understands. It's the job it has. And so when we step out of being caught inside an experience of life that we don't like and thrashing around, trying to get out of it, we, we won't be able to get out of it because we won't have access to understanding. We will instead be caught in panic. And panic makes bad decisions. So it just kind of makes situations worse. But when we drop out into understanding, into awareness, we then see things for what they are. And then we experience a feeling that we will have words to describe. And it will be words like this. You know, I feel a little bit lighter. I feel a little bit more peaceful. I feel a little bit more okay. And all of those things are the feelings that live inside us. And when we connect to any aspect of the spiritual truth of who we are, that's what we feel. So, can we do things when we don't feel like doing them? Yes. And the first and easiest way to do that is to recognize that it's not true that we don't feel like doing them. Even though my shoulder is super, super painful, I've got a couple of options. I can sit in the pain and think about how painful it is all the time and think about how much it's ruining my experience of life and how much my future is impacted by it and how I can't do anything. And, and I can think about all that stuff. And there's probably a little hint of truth to it, but not much. Or I can forget to be caught in the experience of that thinking and find myself in an act of creation or find myself in an act of gratitude, or find myself in an act of presence, or understanding, or love, or compassion, or energy. I mean, there's just, I mean, there's at least 23 different characteristics that I can experience an outward, um, an outward representation of. And every one of those is going to, in some way, create a feeling that is much lighter, much more enjoyable than the one I was previously caught in. And this becomes the opportunity to, to represent all of our future moments. So, uh, like what I have today. So I have a few things on the calendar for today. I have... A, uh, I have a really great lunch appointment with someone that I'm super excited to go meet with. And, um, and I want to do it. I want to do it. My want to do it far outweighs my not want to do it. And my not want to do it is not even a real not want to do it. So, 
when I do that, then my want to do it is infinitely larger than my, than my desire to not do it because I get to go and be with someone and experience presence and experience, um, uh, a relationship with someone and be around people, which is really what we love to do when we're present. And then the next thing that I get to do is, uh, I have a doctor's appointment and I know that at that doctor's appointment, they're going to make me or, or suggest that I try out a couple of things to test my range of motion. And I know it's going to have a level of physical pain in the doing of that. But I also know that they have very much my best interests at heart. They want me to heal from my injury. That's, and they're not concerned about themselves. They're not concerned about whether or not I can. This was, this was a great conversation that I had with, uh, with Steve yesterday. We were talking about one of the things that challenges coaches so often is that they get caught up in worrying about how they're coaching, how they're being perceived, how people are thinking about them. He said, now imagine someone in, in the medical profession going in an emergency to help somebody who has some sort of um, life-threatening illness and all they can think about is themselves. Oh, I hope I'm doing this right. Oh, I hope that these people like me. I hope that I hope that I'm worthy to be the person helping them in this moment. And when you hear it in that way, you hear the ridiculous nature of it. But those are the the types of thoughts that have us not wanting to do things that would be of service to others. And And quite often when I'm talking about in service to others, I include my own identity in that group of things I'm calling others because it's not, it's not me. It's not the true self that I am. And so am I, am I worthy to go have lunch with someone who invited me to have, of course I am. They invited me to have lunch because they want me to have lunch with them. Am I worthy to help someone who is in need of help? Yes. It's not even a thought that should enter my head and create a barrier between my interaction. Am I better at serving someone when I'm thinking about myself or am I better at serving them when I'm thinking about them? Yes, them, obviously. And when I'm caught up in my own identity, I'm thinking about myself. I'm going to go back to this quote from Sidney Banks that is my favorite quote representing humility. It's that humility... um, is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And I'm going to add to that, that the self that you're thinking of when you're not being humble, isn't even yourself. And the more we can get to understanding that the self we think is us is not us, the more we get to be free of the challenges that believing everything that that self thinks um, creates for us. Uh, this morning I was listening to a couple of, a couple of people who are regarded in the world of spiritual teaching, you know, among the top spiritual teachers, among the top people helping others free themselves from mental and physical suffering. And I, as, as I listened to them, I was, Well, first of all, what they said resonated, 
but I was also astounded at how long it took them to say what they were trying to say. And then I realized that the reason they're taking so long about saying what they're trying to say is because it takes such a long time for identity to let down its guard, to let down its desire to control the situation enough to hear something. This is another reason why when people work with me, I have them commit to the work we're going to do together up front. That means that they pay for um, the work that we're going to do up front. And that's not just, I mean, there's lots of reasons for it, but the main reason for it is that I know at some point during our work together, there is going to be a feeling, there's going to be some thinking that comes from identity that says in any given moment, this isn't working. I don't like this. And of course, they're saying that. Do you know how many times I said that in my 30-year quest to feel better? I said it probably an infinite number of times as I rejected truth after truth after truth that if I could have heard it in the moment would have made a profound difference in the way I experienced life. And now I want to go back to what I started this, this conversation about. How do we do things when we don't feel like doing them? Well, the first thing to do is to notice why I don't feel like doing them. And when I find myself in the noticing of that, I will immediately notice to some degree that my belief that I don't feel like doing something is not entirely true. And when, my, when I notice that my belief is not entirely true, I have done that from awareness. And awareness has automatically moved me across the spectrum a little bit. I don't care how much. It only needs to be a little bit. Because when I move across the spectrum, even a little bit, then I find myself on a different trajectory than I was prior to that movement. Because the movement across the spectrum represents a trajectory towards feeling better, which is all I want. And that might be all it takes to have me move out of the feeling of I'm not going to do it and into the feeling of beginning the action. And when I begin the action, I will feel what it feels like to be, to be in an action of creation, which will uh, connect me additionally to the spiritual truth of who I am, which is the feeling that I seek. And then as I do that, as I practice that experience over and over and over again, the same thing will keep popping up to me. It will be this, that I actually did feel like doing it and that when I do it, I feel even better. And when it's done, I get to look back on it and go, wow, why does my brain constantly tell me I don't want to do anything? when clearly that isn't true. And then we have the result 
of all of those moments where we found ourselves in connected action, which creates a completely different outcome, different trajectory, different experience of life. And, and so uh, I, I hope I, I have gone at this from enough different angles today that you've heard something, that you've heard that you may find yourself in a feeling of not wanting to do something. If that feeling is truly coming from an don't do the thing, great, honor that. But a vast majority of the time, that isn't the case. And, and if it isn't the case, then you would be served by taking that action. Was I, was I, did I have a better experience of life yesterday because I went to lunch with Steve Chandler? You better believe I did. It was an incredible time that I got to spend with him. And it was, and, and being present in the moment, had that been all that occurred, it would have been enough. But no, I get to experience everything that came from it afterwards. And do I feel better now for having done this podcast? Yes, I do. Unequivocally and without doubt, yes, I feel better now than I did, let me look at the timer, than I did 37 minutes ago. And was I able to do it even though I didn't feel like doing it? Yes. And what I would really love is for any feedback from you, are you glad that I did it? Any of you listening to this, are you glad that I did it? Has it had an impact on your life? Did you notice something in the moment you listened to this that had you go, hmm, wow, I do that in my own life. It would be valuable to me to notice that even though I think I don't feel like doing anything, I, maybe I actually do. Question that belief. Question the belief that is creating the experience of life that you don't want. And then notice the untruth of it. Because if, it is if it's creating an experience of life that you don't want, it's not true. Listen to that. Listen to the untruth of it. Thank you for joining me today. I love your comments. I love, uh, I love when you reach out to me. Uh, I love working with you. I, I love helping you in any way I can, and I can only do that in the best way I know how, and I can only do that based on the level of, of understanding I find myself in any given moment, and, uh, and I hope that today has been of value to you. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye for now.